I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. I want you to think about the apostles before and after Pentecost, before and after that fateful day when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Think about this incredible transformation that took place in their lives. So picture the apostles before Pentecost. Think about them in the days after Jesus's death, even after he rose from the dead. Think about these men. These were men that were discouraged. These were men that were very down. They were wondering what happened. Why did it happen this way? Uh, They were men that were hiding. They were scared. They were afraid that they might be sought out by the Romans or sought out by the Jewish leaders and they'd be arrested too. They were really nervous. They're hiding. And then even when Jesus comes to appear to them, they're still a little uncertain. They're afraid. They're wondering if this is a ghost. Even one of them doesn't even believe it's Jesus. The the doubting Thomas doubts that Jesus really appeared to the other 11. So think about these men before Pentecost. Then what happened? After the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they are changed men, transformed by the Spirit. These are men that are no longer cowardly and hiding and in in discouragement. They're boldly going out and proclaiming the gospel with full confidence in Jesus, full confidence in the Father to take care of them. They have tremendous faith, tremendous trust. They proclaim the gospel that day and three thousand people are baptized in Jerusalem. Incredible fruits of evangelization on day one right there at Pentecost. And they go on to continue to boldly live their faith, to proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ, even in the face of suffering, misunderstanding, persecution, uh, beating, and even being thrown into prison. And eventually, they'll be killed, most of them. These were men that were completely changed. Where did they find this newfound confidence in God? Where did they find this tremendous courage to proclaim this gospel, the zeal to go out and evangelize souls, even in the face of persecution? Where did they find that? It was in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And this event of Pentecost is what we're getting ready to celebrate this week. And I want to prepare our hearts for this mystery so we can encounter the Holy Spirit anew because you can have a deeper personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. I I think this is the case with so many Christians. They have a a relationship with the Father. They have a relationship with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit's a little little harder to pin down. They're not sure exactly who is the Spirit, how does the Spirit work. I want to talk about that with you today. I want to draw from Scripture, and I draw some from some of the great images of the Holy Spirit so we can understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and how we can grow in a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can experience that same kind of change in our own spiritual lives, in our marriages, our families, in our work, uh, and in our sharing of the faith. So that's what we're going to look at here in this episode. But first of all, I just want to go a little personal with you here just to thank you. Uh, I know many of you were praying for me while I was off in Rome. The Sri family, we've had a a, a lot going on in our our life the last few weeks. Uh, First of all, one thing I, I ask your prayers for is we, we launched two of our children. We had two graduations this uh, the last few weeks here. One was my daughter, Teresa, who graduated from eighth grade, and she's off now, going off to the uh, the local Catholic school here in town in their classical program. So you can pray for Teresa, and you can especially pray for our firstborn, Madeline, our, our first or born dearest daughter. She, is grad- she just graduated from high school and is going to be going off to Benedictine College this fall, where I used to teach. 
Christian, where she lived as a little girl. So she's kind of going back to her roots. So you can pray for her and her new adventure and pray for mom and dad as we're going to miss our, our beloved firstborn here. So uh, two big graduations in the last couple of weeks. I also was in Rome, I, as I mentioned here. Uh, many of you I know were praying for that. I want you to know we had a wonderful pilgrimage. Uh, I would say this was one of the most prayerful pilgrimages uh, that I've led in 18 years to Rome. Rome is busy and noisy and crazy. And uh, and, and people, who, when they come to Rome, even good devout Catholics, they often want to focus on, you know, they do get into the Catholic thing, but they sometimes, you know, want to focus on pictures and souvenirs. This was an amazing group. And, and me and the, the chaplain, we spent a lot of time really talking about how we want this pilgrimage to really be focused on prayer. We always want this every year and everyone rallies around it. But this year, it was so inspiring seeing how everyone put their phones away. They didn't take pictures. They said, you know, we challenged them, say, give Jesus the first of your time in these churches. When we're visiting the tomb of St. Catherine of Siena, or we're visiting the, the church of St. Mary Majors, one of the basilicas where they're dedicated to Mary, or we go down to the catacombs, let's, let's really enter into prayer first. And then We'll give you time to do your shopping, take your pictures, take it in and all that, of course. And, and it was just awesome. This was an awesome pilgrimage, a true pilgrimage. And again, every year, uh, all the pilgrims rally around it. But this year, it was, it was very special, uh, I think, on this on this line. So I want you to know also, I prayed for you. I know I posted on social media asking many people to send intentions. I got, I, got, I don't know, 150, 200 plus intentions uh, sent to me. And I, I prayed for those while I was in Rome. So know that I pray for all the listeners of the podcast as well. But I'm going to ask your prayer for one more thing that's going on right now in my life here. We just started the, the next cycle of Focus Summer Training. We have hundreds, hundreds of new young men and women who've answered God's call to go out and do this work of evangelization on college campuses. Uh, and those new missionaries, along with the, the second year's uh, missionaries, are all gathering in Ave Maria down in Florida and up at U Mary in Bismarck uh, for their summer training. So I've already been down to one of those campuses. I'm going to be traveling a lot the next couple of weeks, uh, going to visit and doing some teaching for them. So if you could please pray for all these new missionaries and their, their training, their retreats this summer, uh, that the Lord just prepare them, prepare their hearts with His Spirit uh, for, for the great work of evangelization that the Lord is going to be calling them too. So appreciate your prayers for that. But let's go back to the Holy Spirit now. Let, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, so many of us Christians, we, we, have a, we often have a, an image of God the Father. We can picture God the Father. We, we, we many times can picture Jesus, God the Son, right? You can picture whether it's baby Jesus in Bethlehem or Jesus in his public ministry teaching or Jesus healing. We've got all these images of him, especially the passion. We have images of Jesus being scourged, Jesus being crucified. So lots of images of God the Son, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's a little more vague, a little harder to wrap our heads around. We got the image of a bird, the, the dove that falls upon Jesus at his baptism. We think about that. Or we may, if we know our Bible well, we may think about the cloud, the cloud of glory in the Old Testament, the, the Shekinah glory cloud that was the visible manifestation of God's presence with his people over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies in the temple. That's often associated also with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God's Spirit. Uh, fire is my favorite image. We'll get to that in a moment here. Uh, but I think that's a powerful image. Of course, the, the tongues of fire coming upon the apostles of Pentecost. We think about that. But who is the Holy Spirit? And, and what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? Uh, I want to start off with a quote 
from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, God sent the Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I love this passage because it captures God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit in just one verse. That's Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. You can look it up later on your own. But but who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, the Holy Spirit is God, Christ's very Spirit. He, he wants to give to all of us. So let's think about this. The this, this Spirit of the Son, you know, the Spirit of Jesus, the, the, the Spirit that 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 sent Jesus on his mission, the, the spirit that encourages Jesus in the midst of his passion, that spirit, that spirit that loves the Father, that spirit is entrusted to us, St. Paul is saying. God sent the spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So I want you to think about it again, Christ's spirit, the spirit of the Son. What does the Son do? The Son, the eternal Son, is always giving himself totally in love to the Father. That's what God the, God the Son was doing before the world was ever created. He's loving and adoring, pouring himself out totally in love to the Father. And that Father gives his love back totally in love to the Son. And that outpouring of love, that shared love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit described as the the breath of love between the Father and the Son in our Catholic tradition. Uh, even, even I think it was Bernard Claveau, Claveau called it the kiss of love between the Father and the Son. Well, that very bond of love between the Father and the Son is given to us. It was given to the apostles at Pentecost. It's given to us. It enters into our hearts at our baptisms. That's why, if you think about what happens at baptism, that spirit that Paul talks about comes into our hearts so that we could cry out, Abba, Father. That that we don't just call God Father. That, that, that That's not just a metaphor. God's kind of like a dad. That's not what we're talking about here. No, no. The, the spirit of the Son of God himself, the eternal Son, Jesus Christ, that spirit of Jesus enters into our hearts so that we can cry out, Father, because we have the spirit of Jesus dwelling within me. The eternal son is within me so that in the son of God himself, I can cry out, Father, I am a true son in the son of God himself. His life is dwelling within us. Now, let's just think about this practically. I mentioned to you I love the image of fire because when you think about fire, fire consumes consumes something. You think if you make a, a fire in the summer, we have a little fire pit in our backyard and we like to sometimes go out and pray a rosary around the fire pit or sing some songs or most of all do marshmallows and s'mores around the fire at night. Well, you think about what happens with that, that fire when it, it takes the log, it just consumes the log uh, and, and transforms that log. And the log begins to take on the properties of the fire, right? It takes on the heat. All of a sudden that, that log becomes really hot. It starts to emit smoke uh, and flames come forth from it. It starts to change colors at parts of the log, right? Uh, becoming orange and red at certain points. So it's taking on all the characteristics and properties of the fire. Well, think about this. The Holy Spirit is like the fire, as the Bible describes it, and we are like the log. And that, and the Holy Spirit wants to completely consume us, take us, take over and, and shoot out sparks of greater love through us. Uh, just like that log begins to emit smoke and heat and, uh, and flames burst forth from it. Uh, we want to be changed in Jesus Christ. And we want that Holy Spirit to transform us 
so that we begin taking on the properties, the characteristics of the fire, the Holy Spirit, Christ's Spirit as well. That's why when you read in the Bible and in the Catholic Church, we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the signs of the Holy Spirit taking over someone's life is when they have greater joy. They have great peace, even in the midst of great affliction. They have patience in the midst of great sorrow. They have, they're kind. They're thinking about others. They, they have purity. They have self-control. These are some of the, of the many fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are signs of our lives being taken over more and more by Christ that we begin taking on the characteristics of Christ, the, the virtues of Christ begin to radiate through us more because, as St. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who's living through me. And that's happening through Christ's Spirit. You know, so maybe one last little thought here uh, about the, the Holy Spirit in Scripture. In the Old Testament, one of the key signs, if you, if you were a true Jew, a true Israelite in the Old Testament. Uh, circ- circumcision was the, the key entryway into God's covenant family. So if you were a male, you were circumcised and you were part of the family uh, of God. And so circumcision was the key covenant marker, the key identity marker. If you want to say, I'm a faithful Israelite, I'm a true son of Abraham, you were circumcised. But the prophets foretold that there was going to be something greater that was going to come. All the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, God says, I will circumcise your hearts. In other words, just because you have the external mark of circumcision, just because you're an ethnic Israelite, you are a physical descendant of Abraham, that doesn't mean you're going to live according to the faith of Abraham. Just because you have the physical mark on your body of circumcision doesn't mean you're going to have the faith that that mark is meant to, 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 to proclaim or meant to express. Uh, and so right away, even in the time of Moses, we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God foretelling that something greater is going to be necessary. God gave a law. God gave circumcision. The people are, are, are following that ritual, but they're still not obedient to the rest of the law, the rest of the Ten Commandments. So something has to happen on the inside. That's why God says, I'm going to do something in your heart. You have external circumcision, but one day I'm going to circumcise your heart. And the prophets pick up on this image and and, and add greater clarity about what's going to happen. Jeremiah 31, verse 33, God says, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. So God wants to write his law on our hearts. So he gave us a law, an external you know, tablet of stone on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, but he wants to write that law on our hearts. These are all prophecies about the great work he's going to do in sending his spirit into our hearts. Uh, One of the great prophetic foreshadowings of the Holy Spirit, I think, comes in Ezekiel chapter 36, when God says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and I, I will cause them to walk in my ways. Uh, I will put my spirit into their hearts. So when the spirit comes into their hearts, with the coming of the sprinkling of the water, an image for baptism. When the Spirit comes into our hearts, God will cause us to walk in His ways. In other words, this is in the Catholic tradition, the beauty of salvation isn't just, oh, I was, I, I'm just uh, saved and God's going to let me into heaven. No, God is going to continue this work of salvation within us. He's going to change us. He's going to change our hearts from within so that we begin to love like He loves. And that's what heaven's going to be all about. You and me, God willing, we're going to be there before the throne of God and loving God and loving each other fully 
Not partially, not half-heartedly, no, but completely. But that can only happen with God's help. We can't reach that perfection in love on our own. That's why all the way back from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God foretold that God was going to do something in our hearts. He was going to circumcise our hearts. What's that circumcision of heart? It's the gift of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that God places in our hearts, as Jeremiah 31 says, to, to, to write that law in our hearts. So we don't just have commandments we have to follow. Okay, how am I going to follow the commandment? I, I, I know I'm supposed to be really good, but I can't do it. Well, guess what? God's going to write that law in our heart to enable us to do the law, to fulfill the law in a way we couldn't do it on our own. Uh, He's going to sprinkle that clean water on us at baptism. He's going to put the Spirit into our hearts to cause us to walk in God's ways. You see, this is the gift of the Spirit. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit may guide us more. Let's pray that the Spirit may inspire us more. If I have to leave you with a great practical point to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's this. Ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you in all your actions. Just say that, Holy Spirit, inspire me in all my actions. You can just pause right now. Just say it right now. Holy Spirit, inspire me in all my actions. Holy Spirit, guide me in all my decisions. That spirit that God put in our hearts, that spirit that Moses foreshadowed and Jeremiah foreshadowed and Ezekiel foreshadowed, that spirit is in us by virtue of our baptism. We just want to let that spirit take over more and more. So ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to walk according to your ways, not the ways of the flesh, not the ways of the world, not my own selfish ways. Help me to walk more according to your ways. May, may the gifts of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit be made more manifest in my life that I may imitate Jesus more. Uh, inspire all my actions, Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit, guide me in all my decisions, Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful prayer. You can pray each day so that your life is truly led by the Holy Spirit and not led by your own selfishness, your own greed, your own pride, your own vanity, whatever that might be. Uh, pray the Holy Spirit to change you like he changed Peter and Thomas and James and John and all the other apostles at that first Pentecost. May every day for our lives be a renewed encounter with the Spirit, a new Pentecost, that we may be changed like they were. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. If you like this podcast, please share it with others that they can get ready for the great solemnity of Pentecost coming up here. And uh, if you want to also do this, if you could, uh, send me any questions. If you have any questions about the Holy Spirit, any questions about the, the Bible and the prophecies, or just any questions about the Catholic faith at all, you can reach me at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsree at gmail.com. You can also find me on my website, edwardsree.com, and on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm there too. Thanks so much, and God bless.